some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Good morning. Good morning. It's early. Today is the fourth day of November, year of our Lord, 2022. This is Daybreak Live with Scott and Lisa, Hi. the founder of the Nesbitts. Mm. <laughs> Patrick Panagat. Right. Patrick Panagat. Hold on. Let's go. So we're going to try to sing. Um, what did you say? Did I say before? Oh, Jacob's song. song. This is one of ours, one of our earlier, one of the first songs.
That. We can still do it, can't we? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, 1986. 1986. I am playing guitar, and she walks up and starts singing with me. We get married three months later. We've been making beautiful Rest music is history. ever since. I don't know if it always sounds good, but it's still beautiful. <laughs> Rest is history. We weren't serving the Lord back then either. Your computer? Computer. Okay. Well, guys, we are a place we've never been before. I'll give you a little bit of explanation. We, uh, Lisa's side of the family, Miss Ayla, I am officiating a wedding for Miss Ayla and her husband, Braden. We had to come down for the rehearsal last night. So we're in Dixon County, Tennessee. Uh, right now we're at McDonald's. We're in Burns. Burns. We're in Burns. Montgomery Bell State Park is where we're at. They put us up in a room here for last night after the rehearsal. The wedding is today, later on today. And so we've never been to Montgomery Bell State Park. There's a little lake out here. You can kind of see that we're looking out here to a lake. It's pretty. Yeah, it looks like it was done maybe in the 40s or something, but uh, this this place. But it's a nice park. It's amazing how big Tennessee is. There's so there's so much of Tennessee that you just don't know. I mean, you know, you drive for hours and still be in Tennessee. It's crazy. <laughs> now, there's free internet, but you've got to look it up. Uh, so we are in the book of Revelation. Thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, I guess we're getting out there because I'm seeing some of you guys on here. I am sidetracked. Let me get my mind in here. Fire here we go. Guys, help him focus. Yeah, let me focus. We're okay, somewhere. we're in Revelation chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 11 today. And let's remember this. We, what, we, what we have learned recently, we have learned about the dragon, Satan, uh, that old serpent, right? And we saw in this picture of the vision how he's been behind the scenes trying to destroy the man-child. Then we saw war in heaven where he's not allowed. At this time, we, we called him the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God day and night. But there's going to come a time where he's cast out of that position. And when that happens, he's going to have a great fury. At that point, what we see then in the story is a beast rise to power. This beast I have called the sock puppet, of Satan himself. Think in a greater degree, but think about the Lord's Supper and how the Bible says that then entered Satan into Judas to betray Jesus. 
And in the same sense, the Satan comes down and enters into someone we call the beast, the Antichrist. Now, there are Antichrist many, and they have been in every season there's an Antichrist. Or there's the spirit of Antichrist, and there's many Antichrist out there, and there's a spirit of Antichrist. But we're talking about the one at the end who is going to be totally possessed by Satan. This is going to be a charismatic leader that is going to come to power with the world thinking this is the greatest man, in my opinion, the greatest leader there's ever been. And he's going to come to power peacefully, and everybody is going to want, wonder after him. However, in the middle, and like I'm saying, he's in power, then as the enemy, as the time comes, and the enemy comes down and infuses himself into this beast, or this is the way I see it, all of a sudden he is going to, he's going to come against Jerusalem. He's going to break the covenant. He is going to attack Jerusalem. He is going to begin to speak blasphemies against the Most High. But he's also going to have help. Now, let me say something here that I think needs to be said. It is commonplace among us to say, oh, that's Satan, or that's Satan, or uh, we use verbiage today in the church as if Satan is omnipresent like, like God, like the omnipotent God is. And let me tell you, I see nothing in Scripture anywhere that says Satan is omnipresent. He is not omnipresent. He is not like God in that sense. He's a spirit, yes. Uh, but as far as I can tell, there's one Lucifer. There's one Satan, right? And so, but there are many demons or devils. Uh, so the word Satan means adversary. So it's not, it doesn't mean it's wrong to use it. But sometimes, sometimes people will say, well, Satan made me do it. And it's like, well, it probably wasn't Satan himself. He's, he's probably got bigger fish to be working on than you. But maybe there's a little demon, right? <laughs> anyway, I just felt like that needed to be talked about just a little bit. Uh, so that brings us to verse 11. We ended uh, in 10, 9 and 10 was, uh, here's the patience and the faith of the saints. They overcome him by the word of their testimony. They love not their life to, to the death. We have discussed this. And so the, the, the saints at this time are going to be extremely strong and they will walk or we will walk or they will walk like the early church did and be willing to lay down their lives for the gospel. Or like many of our brothers and sisters around the world, in Afghanistan and Iran and different places today as we speak are. So we get to verse 11. Now we're looking at the helper. All right, we have God the Father. We have God the Son, Jesus Christ, which is you see, you see Jesus, you see God. Well, in this unholy trinity, you see the beast, you see Satan. That is to say, uh, he is the exact representative of Satan here upon the earth. I believe the reason that the scriptures call him a beast is telling us his true nature. 
Same thing with false, the false prophet. And when we get to verse 11, this is the only time everywhere else he is called the false prophet, but here he's just called another beast. But it is the false prophet. So let's start with verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Another beast. Now, the beast tells us who he belongs to, his true nature. He had two horns like a lamb. Horns speak of authority, always. So he has authority, but his authority is like a lamb. So he is couched in, he is portrayed in, uh, the Bible calls him a lamb, so it's peaceful. It's um, He looks peaceful, okay? He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, so to speak. You know, it's like, like that old picture of the wolf that's got us disguised as a sheep, okay? And spoke like a dragon, that sheep's is, skin. huh? Yeah, the voice coming out of this second beast, the voice coming out of the second beast is also the voice of uh, Satan, the dragon. He's speaking for the dragon. He's speaking by the dragon. Verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So he has the complete authority of the beast. In other words, he's doing the beast's bidding. Okay, he's doing his bidding. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Wow. So he's causing people to worship the Antichrist. This is why we call him the false prophet. He's like a lamb, but he's got horns, and he exercises the authority of the beast. In other words, he's the helper. He's the helper. So we call him the beast and the false prophet, and that's how they will be labeled for the rest of the book of Revelation, the beast and the false prophet. When you get to the end, this three-part, when we get to say chapter 19, we're going to see that during the war, it's going to say the beast and the false prophet were taken and cast into the lake of fire. And the dragon, that old serpent, serpent, he was put into the bottomless pit. And a chain was set on him for a thousand years. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting. But, but this is what his job, he's causing people to worship the beast. He's pointing people. He's saying, this is the man. This is the truth. If you, if you can receive it. The beast, the false prophet is saying, he's looking at the Antichrist. He's pushing people anti, to the Antichrist and saying, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Remember, as we talked about this yesterday, God is allowing this. It's, it's God's like, this is his time. Why? Because people don't want God. They don't want the true God. They don't want the real God. Okay? People want to be their own gods. Well, you're going to serve somebody. That's uh, Who's that? Uh, Bob Dylan wrote a song. You're going to have to serve somebody, right? It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But you're going to serve somebody. We all serve somebody. So he is pushing people 
towards the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And so we know that when this when this false prophet comes on the scene and when he begins his his journey, it's after the healing of this this wound of the beast. Now look at this in verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And, it, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by a sword and live. Let's stop there. To try to give a little background picture, there was a time when a man named Elijah, Elijah was the prophet who called down fire out of heaven. Well, there was a showdown on Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. And during this showdown, all the prophets and the priests of Baal, why am I saying this? It's kind of a picture, but different. All the prophets and priests of Baal, Elijah comes out. And he said, let's, let's determine once and for all who God really is. And so there's a showdown on Mount Carmel. He lets them call on God first. So they make the sacrifice. They dance around the sacrifices. They, they cry out, oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Because Elijah had said, the one who answers by fire, let him be God. That is to say, when people see great signs and wonders, they will believe. In a sense, they believe. Well, on this day, at this showdown, of course, Baal is no God, and so no fire came down. Elijah taunted them, cry out louder. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's gone on vacation. And they cut their sails with knives, and they cry out, Baal, hear us. But no fire came. Then Elijah, he kneels down and says, Oh God, I've done this for you, that you may let the people know who you are. And I am shortening this. He calls on God, fire comes down out of heaven, devours the sacrifice. And then Elijah takes and kills all those prophets and turns the people's heart back to the Lord. Lord. Yahweh. Yehovah. Now, here's the difference. Where it's kind of like this, at the end time, the false prophet is going to be allowed to call down fire from heaven too. Now, during this same time period, we've all, I've read to you that there are two witnesses in Jerusalem that are calling fire down out of heaven. So it's kind of in a sense to where Elijah's calling down fire out of heaven and the false prophet's calling down fire out of heaven. So the people, is going to, there's going to be a great confusion. Who is God? Who do we believe? Well, they'll, they'll follow their heart. What God do you want to believe? And people don't want to believe in a God that they have to submit to and live and obey commandments. I mean, come on. We don't have to obey commandments. Come on, right? So there's going to be a great deception, a great falling away. We read about that yesterday. We call it the great apostasy, the great falling away. Many are going to turn away from the faith. 
in this time. But others are going to come to the faith. People will come to the faith. Now, let's turn back to... Uh, oh, I marked this. I, I didn't... Book of Jude is something you should read, guys. But I'm, I don't have time to go there today. I was going to go there, but I don't have time. But I just wanted to bring to your awareness that, that what we're talking about is exactly what happens now on a lesser form. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when he's talking to the church about false apostles, deceitful workers, he says in verse 13, so this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, he says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, listen, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And the reason I wanted to go here is because the second beast that has the mouth of the dragon, he says he's got two horns, but he's like a lamb. He's in the body of a lamb, right? But he transforms himself into an angel of light. And in verse 15, therefore it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. What was that? First Corinthians? No, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Now, I just read that to say that earlier I said Satan is not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere all the time. And we get this messed up theology sometimes where we think, oh, it's Satan all the time. But, but, Satan has many ministers. There's many ministers he has. And his ministers are, we'll call them demons, we call them fallen angels, and we call them humans. Humans that reject God become when, what Paul's talking about here, he's literally talking about humans that show up in the church. And Paul warned and warned and warned that people would rise up in the church and actually they would just be pretending like they were apostles of Christ or leaders of Christ. Let's bring it down, preachers of Christ. But in actuality, they've raised up, they, they, they went up in the ranks in the churches in order to turn the churches away from truth, and lead the people down the road of apostasy. That's just the reality. Yesterday, I think it was you, Bob, I believe it was you, I, I said something about, you know, what people wanted God out of the, you know, get out of our schools, get out of our courthouses, get out of our justice system, get out of our land, God. And I believe it was Bob that tapped in yesterday and also the churches, yes. Yes, people are like, God, get out of our churches. We don't want God in our churches, at least not the God of the Bible. We want to we wanna make a Jesus that everybody likes for the churches. Let's, let's, let's have a God in the churches that he's okay with everything we do. He just loves it all, right? There's, no, there's not even any such thing as sin anymore. Seems to be where we're at, my brothers and sisters. And it seems that false... False ones have moved up in the ranks. Uh, very, very many of them. 
And I, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be critical, but when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching people that they don't have to obey the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> oh, we don't have to listen to that. No, yeah, they said that, but no, that, you don't have to listen to that. Something's wrong. Amen? Something's wrong. Okay. Well, here, God is good, though. This is fear not Friday, you know? We don't have to worry. You're not in, you're not deceived. You know. And, and pretty much everybody that listens to Daybreak, I'm assuming, you guys, you're, the light is on inside your eyes and in your head and in your heart, and you know. You know, and I thank God for that. I thank God. Praise the Lord that you know. Praise the Lord that you're not deceived. But I'm encouraging you in your realm of influence as whatever influence you have in whatever assembly you go to. I'm not, now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about traditions of men. I'm not talking about, but I'm talking about plain, easy to understand scriptures. And when people are saying, oh, that, what God says is wrong, what the Bible says is wrong, that's not wrong anymore. You stand up for truth. You stand up for righteousness. And it's okay. It's okay if people don't like you for it. That's just how it's going to be, okay? Love you guys. Don't be afraid, mighty warriors. Stand strong and serve the Lord because great is your reward in heaven. Amen? Great is your reward. All right, we're going to get off here. Thank you, thank you. Love you guys. What is it? Um, so Provident, um, Upper Room. Sunday. Upper Room tomorrow, 11 o'clock. Providence Sunday in Hartsville, 11 o'clock. And Hayride Sunday evening, <laughs> weather permitting. If it well, rains, no Hayride. Yeah, if it's raining, don't come out. Or give us a call. Say, is it raining in Defeated Creek? But yeah, Hayride at our place. Sunday evening, see you guys on Daybreak next week. Love you. Keep praying for us. We need your prayers. And uh, I'm praying for you. Bye. No Lord's Prayer. Oh, our Father, who you art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom, kingdom come. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Bye.